Let's get into God's word. First Samuel 17. I'm going to talk today about giants and Davids. Giants and Davids. And thank you, Corey, for trying to preach my message. Why don't you just save it for Wednesday night and share it with the youth. Giants and Davids. What happens when a giant unexpectedly walks into your world? What happens? And that giant challenges some area of your life or maybe your very existence. What happens? What do you do? What, what is your response? What's your first reaction? Is it, oh my, or is it, uh-oh, or is it, help, or maybe do you withdraw in fear, or do you panic and fall apart, or do you fall into depression? See, these are all common natural responses to giants. But the truth of the matter is, there are going to be giants to face in this life from time to time. We all face them. But let me ask a more personal question or two today. What giant are you facing today in your life and in your world? What giant are you facing? Some of you may not be facing a giant today. Take a deep breath and enjoy it because in a few days you'll face one. That's just the nature of life. But what giant might you be facing today? What area of your life is under attack? And how are you responding to the attack of the enemy? See, I want to look at one of the great stories in the Bible, the story of Goliath and David. Uh, Goliath was a literal giant, a warrior, but he's killed by what was probably a, a young teenager. Corey said 12, 13, 14. We don't know for sure, but somewhere in that age bracket. But in this story, we're going to focus mainly on two things, giants and Davids. I'll talk a little bit more about people in general, but mostly it's about giants and then Davids. Look at 1 Samuel 17. This story has 58 verses. I'm not going to take time to read all those verses today. But I want to encourage you, if you love to really look at God's Word Take the time to go home later today or first thing in the morning or sometime tomorrow and just read this story, 1 Samuel 17, the entire chapter, and read it slowly and take in every piece of this story. I could do a series for three or four weeks on this one story about Goliath and David. But what happened was the Philistines began to invade the nation of Israel. They encamped in an area called Judah, one of the tribe areas. And then they sent a giant out. He was their champion warrior. His name was Goliath. And he said to Israel, look, there's no sense for all of us going to war and a lot of people being killed. I'll represent my people because I'm the champion. You send me your champion. We will fight. And whoever wins that one battle, the other side will just give in and be servants. Let's not kill a lot of people needlessly. The problem was Israel, including the king Saul, Israel was afraid of the giant. All they could see was the natural battle. They looked at the size of this guy. He wasn't 6'1", 6'2", 6'5". For me, that's pretty good size. This guy was probably 10, 12, 13 feet tall. He was a giant of a man, and he was a warrior. 
He wasn't big and clumsy. He was a champion of his entire people. And he was protected with all kinds of armor. Very little of his body was exposed. He had an armor bearer who went before him carrying a shield to help protect him. This guy says, send somebody to fight me. Everybody in Israel is afraid of this guy. For 40 days and 40 nights, he walks out morning and evening and he issues the challenge. Send somebody to fight, but no one would go. Until one day, into camp comes David. He's bringing provisions to his brothers. And he gets there just at the time when Goliath is issuing this challenge. Hey, you bunch of cowards, you're exposed, you're afraid of me. Send somebody to fight. David hears this and says, what in the world's going on? And somebody says, well, what happened is this giant's out there and he's huge. Nobody can beat him. So everybody's afraid to fight this guy. But if somebody could go out and beat him, he would become a rich man. He would get to marry the, queen, the king's daughter. And then his father would be free of taxes. How many of you know that's enough to fight for right there? And so David says, what? What? And they tell him again. He says, and why didn't somebody go out and kill this uncircumcised Philistine? He's not in covenant with God. He's not one of God's people. He can't defy us and defy our God. Somebody needs to go kill this guy. Of course, word begins to go around camp. His own brother mocks him and laughs at him. Finally, he gets before the king and the king says, well, nobody else wants to go. So I'll send David. David goes out with the sling and stones, kills the giant, brings him to the ground, cuts off his head with Goliath's own sword. And that day there's victory in Israel. Great story. But let's go back through some details because I want you to look at this. Number one, what do we know about giants? What do we know about giants? Well, some specific things, but let's look at some verses. 1 Samuel 17, verse 10. And the Philistine, this is the giant. The Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When he says, I defy you, he says, I expose you. You can't beat me. I'm too tough. I'm too big, too strong, too well trained. You cannot beat me. And I defy you. I mock you. I expose you as weak. You bunch of cowards. Send somebody out to fight me. Skip down to verse number 16. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Isn't that just like a giant? Let me give you some things to think about. Number one, what do you know about giants? They know how to fight. Giants know how to fight. That's what they do. In their area, in their arena, they know how to fight. They're trained warriors, they're well prepared for battle, they know what they're doing, and they are champions at the art of warfare. Okay, so we know that. Number two, giants are intimidating. Can I get one amen in the house? Giants are intimidating. They're bullies, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're threatening, they're belittling. They instill fear, they're tormenting, they're relentless day after day, night after night. They seem to be invincible and they will confiscate your praise and your relationship with God. See, it's interesting. The Philistines moved in to Judah. 
in the nation of Israel, and they camped there. You know what Judah was? Judah means praise. When a, when a giant comes into your life, the first thing it usually causes you to do is stop praising God because you shrink back. That's what giants do. They're intimidating. They're all of these things, and they are also controlling. See, a giant comes into your life, and if you don't put him in his place, before long, he'll be controlling all of your actions. That's what giants do. The third thing, they expose and they attack our weakest areas. Giants may not be the smartest of, of all creations, but they know where to hit you. They'll find your weak area, and they will attack you there. So does, does this sound like the giant in your life today? Does it sound like something you're dealing with right now? That day and night it haunts you, intimidates you, you can't sleep at night, you wake up in the morning and you're sick over this thing that you're fighting? That's what giants do to us. And you know what I've learned? From dealing with people and from my own personal life, life isn't very much fun when you have a giant living in the house. It's just not. But then, number two, between giants and David, and I'm, I'm not going to spend much time here, but I have to hit this. Between giants and David, what do you have? You have people. You have the masses, the general population. Basically, they're faceless and nameless for the most part. But look at this. Verse number 11 says, When Saul, who was king, and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. The word dismayed means they were broken down mentally, emotionally, and they didn't know what to do. So they sunk back into fear. Verse 24 says, and all the men of Israel, the entire army, when they saw the giant, the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And the last thing, verse 28, now Eliab, this is David's oldest brother. Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Now, I read those three verses for a reason, because I'm going to walk you through it real fast. Here's what we know about people in general. People are susceptible to fear. Now, the next two minutes, smile at me. And I'll know I'm talking to David's, not people, okay? People are susceptible to fear. People tend to be negative. They see obstacles and battles as impossibilities because they see only through natural eyes. That's human nature. Something else we know about people is people tend to avoid battles for the most part. And when you avoid battles, you just have to learn how to live with giants in the house. Wow, that's good. The youth pastor got that one. Wow. <laughs> Something else we know about people is people tend to attack voices of faith. David's oldest brother attacked him because he said, I'll go fight him and kill him. Got angry at him. David's oldest brother should have stood up. The king should have stood up. Saul was taller than anybody else in Israel. He wouldn't stand up, but David did. And he was attacked because of his faith. You know, in this story, 
Now listen closely to this. I'm not going to talk about people long because in this story, people become insignificant. They become insignificant because of their unbelief. I don't want to live an insignificant life. I don't want to live a life of bondage. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live dominated. I don't want to live with the giant in the house. I want to learn how to put him in his place, learn to live from victory to victory, and be on top rather than be on bottom. That's what God's called us to do. Now, third part of this message, we talked about giants a little bit, talked about people in general, but let's talk about David. This is really what I want to talk about today, but I had to do the first two pieces to get here because you got to see the contrast. Several things I want you to, to see about David. What do we know about David? Well, when he came to the battle, he was just probably a young teenager, but he was different. What made David different? Well, was he just so young that he was naive and didn't know any better? I don't think so. When his oldest brother tried to correct him and it didn't change him, there was something different about David. I mean, physically, he's no match for the giant. He's not trained in warfare against how to, how to fight giants. But yet David stands up and says, I'll take on the giant. What was different about David? Several things. Let me walk through them real quickly. Number one, David understood that the reward was greater than the war. The reward was greater than the war. Now, I want to read it to you because I want you to see this. Verse 25 from this chapter. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. That's what people say. He's just here to intimidate us. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches. And give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. It's like we live in a dream world. This is what could happen, but it's not going to happen. Look at verse 28 or 26. But David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, wait a minute. Run that by me one more time. I want to make sure I got this right. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David said, no, wait a minute. First of all, he's got no business doing this to us because God's on our side. But second of all, can't you guys see the reward that awaits us on the other side of this battle? Now, I got to stop here for one minute and I got to share this today. We have got to stop living under the shadow of the giants. We've got to stop letting the enemy intimidate us and say, well, I guess I just got to live this way. We've got to look beyond the giant and see the reward that's on the other side of this battle and realize I have got to get this guy out of my life at all costs because life is battle when better when the giant is dead. I've got to get there. I've got to get there. I am not going to let this giant live in my house because life is so much better without the giant. Just think about what your life would be like if your giant was dead. Think about it. Think about it. The second thing we see about David, David knew that every giant is vulnerable. See, Israel kept looking at this guy. And they, they, 
never seen him fight, but he claimed to be the champion. He was big, so evidently we want to fight this guy. I mean, he was huge. His weapons were huge. Israel was afraid of this guy. David knew Goliath was vulnerable. I don't think Goliath knew it, but David did. And David understood his threats were only words. When you wake up in the night and that thing is screaming in your head saying, oh my goodness, look at your circumstances. And this giant begins to yell at you and your stomach goes into knots. You need to stop and realize his threats are only words. That was, that was good. His threats are only words. You can believe him or you can throw him aside and say he's a liar. But his threats are only words. Another thing. David knew that Goliath could only see the natural aspect of the battle. David knew that Goliath didn't realize who was on David's side. There's a verse in the New Testament that says, if the Lord is for us, God's for us, who can be against us? Years ago, I had an old preacher said, that's a bad interpretation. What it needs to say is, if the Lord is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. See, David knew that. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. He's that big, but God's this big. Is God bigger than your giant? Then maybe you need to pull God into your battle. Which leads me to the third point. David, boy, this is important. David drew faith from his past experiences with God. Verse number 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Now now think about that. Think about that. You know why David wasn't afraid of the giant? Because he'd already killed a lion and a bear. That was impossible to start with. So he figured, well, this is just one more battle that God will help me win. You know why some of us struggle with giants? Because we haven't learned to kill lions and bears yet. That's good preaching right there. That's old school preaching right there, but it's good. No, I, I was going to say something about Corey and the Raiders, but I might have some other <laughs> Raider fans in the house, so I'll leave that alone and move on. Verse, verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, David keeps referring to this giant as an uncircumcised Philistine. What he's saying is he's not in covenant with God. God is not on his side. We're in covenant with God. God is on our side. But David goes back and says, you know what? God's never failed me. Do you have that conviction today? Has God ever really failed you? When you trusted him, when you walked with him, when you let him lead, has God ever failed you? Has anybody here ever killed 
a lion or a bear? Not, not physically, but, I mean, in your life. Have you ever had to deal with, with some battles in the past? Has God helped you win those battles? Then what makes you think God won't help you win this battle? See, David says, as the giants get bigger, as the battles get larger and stronger, my God just shows his power and his strength. I've got God with me. I'm going to fight this guy. And I'll put him in his place. Number four. David understood. Boy, this is so good. This is really good. If we were selling cassettes, I'd buy one. But since we're not... David understood the natural aspect of battle and the spiritual aspect of battle. See, this is where we as believers have the edge. This is where David had the edge. He understood there's a natural battle. There's also a spiritual battle. I'm going to explain it, so stay with me. Verse number 40. Then David took his staff in his hand. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had. And he put his sling, and he had his sling, he had it in his hand, it was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. Now let me walk you through this. When we believers get into these kind of battles... We pray, oh God, kill the giant. Oh God, please, oh God, I'm so afraid. Oh God, kill that giant. And if God doesn't kill the giant, we learn to live with the giant. David understood the only way to kill the giant, don't pray for God, you know, to to cause some malady to follow him and him drop dead. Only way to kill that giant is to go out and kill the giant. So what did David do? He walked the talk. He put his faith into action. Now, I I want you to see this. David heads for the battlefield to meet the giant, but he stops at this brook, and he picks up five smooth stones. Because, you see, the shepherd, he didn't know anything about fighting giants and all of Saul's armor because he refused all that. But he knew how to use the weapons of a shepherd, a staff, and a sling. And he knew, if it comes down to it, I'll grab him with my bare hands in some way, somehow. God will help me kill him, just the way I did the the lion and the bear. But he stopped at the brook, and he picked up five smooth stones, ammunition, physical ammunition for the battle. You see... When we prepare ourselves for a physical battle, then we can expect God to help us with the spiritual battle. David ran toward the giant. I've had people say, well, if David was such a man of faith, why did he pick up five stones? If you read the whole story and you read further on, you find out Goliath had four brothers. I don't know if he knew that or not. But David went into battle with his physical ammunition in place. I'm going to explain this more in just a minute, so stay with me. He used his sling and a stone to fight the giant. He used his natural abilities. 
But then he also trusted God's direction and guidance to make that stone hit exactly where it needed to hit, to be, to, to strike. See, Goliath, probably his own, only unprotected area was this area around his eyes and his forehead. And when David let that stone go, it sunk right in his forehead and the guy fell in the face to the earth. Had David stayed back in camp and said, okay, God, I believe you, kill the giant, kill the giant, kill the giant, kill the giant, the giant would have still been in the valley mocking them today. They would have had to live with it until that giant died of natural causes. But David said, I'm going to go out and fight him because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Many years ago, I was a young, well, no, I, I'm, I'm still young. I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> Many years ago when I was real young, about the time I started shaving, uh, when I was really young, like David, I, I went through a, a time where I, I got into a tremendous amount of debt. And it was debt that was related to ministry. But, listen closely, I did something that I wanted to do to spur ministry because I was traveling at the time and I made a big investment. I knew in my heart this isn't the right thing to do, but I did it in the name of the glory of God and it's going to be great and it's going to do this and this and this. I took on a lot of debt to do something in ministry and I never should have done it. I knew in my heart I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. And about a year later, God changed my ministry, and I stopped traveling, and I settled down to pastor. And all that money that I invested, it had no outlet and no return. Now, I was a young man, really young man. So I wound up with, a, for that day and time, for a huge debt hanging over my head. So I started praying, oh, God, cancel this debt. Oh, God, drop pennies from heaven. No, God, drop quarters. No, God, drop $100 bills. I began to pray, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. And I wrestled with this for like two years. And all I could do was pay the interest on this debt. Fortunately, I had a banker who was patient with me. He understood the situation I was in. I wasn't making much money as a pastor. I was just, I mean, living hand to mouth. And all I had was just enough to pay the interest every month. And some months I had to do without things. It became a giant in my life. And it haunted me day after day. I'd wake up in the morning with it. I'd go to sleep at night with this giant. Finally, after a couple of years, some things shifted. And I began to get some small bonus checks. Long story, I don't need to get into it, but I began to get some small bonus checks. When I began to get those checks, I thought, well, good, this will take a little bit of pressure off me. I can do this, I can do that. And God spoke to me as clear as a bell and said, no, you start taking those bonus checks and you go pay off that debt. I said, no, God, you kill that giant. I'll I'll spend this money the way I want to. (laughs) And God said, no, that's what got you into this to start with. So I'll tell you what I did. For... A year and a half or so, every time I got a bonus check, I went straight to the bank, paid that against the balance on that loan. After about two years, I still had a large debt. But in one day, God wiped out that entire debt. I didn't expect it. came out of nowhere. But here's the point. 
Had I not started, had I not begun to fight a physical battle where it needed to be fought, I don't think God would have ever sent the spiritual answer my way. See, I picked up some stones at the brook, and they're just, you know, $5 here, 50 there, 100 250 there. I'd take that little bit, and I'd go apply it against the debt. I took the stones that I had access to. I took all the natural abilities I could muster, and I used it to fight that giant. And when I began to throw those stones at the giant, God stepped in, boom, brought that giant down to his knees, and he fell on his face. Now, once you listen to me. Not always, but some of our giants are of our own making. I made that giant. I, I created that one myself. But I had to learn to take responsibility and say, I'll fight the physical fight and I'll fight the spiritual battle and trust God. And over a period of time, God killed the giant. There's a physical side to the battle. There's a spiritual side. We've got to fight both sides. David picked up the stones, put them in his sling, let it go, and then God guided it right into the guy's forehead and it killed him. Dropped to his face. You see, when David put his faith in God, the battle became God's battle. See, a lot of us are fighting our own battle against these giants. If we'll listen to God and put our faith in God and obey him, it becomes God's battle. Corey mentioned it a few minutes ago. David said it. Hey, you know what, Goliath, you need to understand the battle is the Lord's. He could say that because he put the battle in God's hands. And then the next thing is, is, and I'm almost finished, so listen closely. David finished the battle. David finished the battle. Goliath fell to his face on the earth. As you read the verses, it says he fell on his face to the earth and he was dead. But I think David didn't know for sure if he was dead or stunned or what. So David runs over to the giant, and David's a shepherd. All he has is shepherd's staff and sling, normal things that a shepherd would have. And he says, i got to make sure this guy's done. So David takes out this huge sword that belongs to Goliath and winds up and chops off his head. You know, some of us just want the giant to be quiet. David said, nah, I'm not going to take any chances on that. I want this thing gone forever. I want to finish this battle. I'm going to chop off his head. See, David wasn't looking for a peace treaty. He was looking for victory. What some of us, some of us in Christianity, we are such pacifists that if we can just have a little bit of peace here and there, and if we can make a peace treaty with the devil, we'll just put up with him. Oh, the giant can stay in my house as long as he's not bugging me too much. No, we need to cut that guy's head off and get rid of him once and for all. That's God's will for us. Last thing, and I love this. David knew where the glory of victory belonged. David knew. The glory goes to God. The glory goes to God. See, David told Goliath before he killed him, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. 
He'll deliver you into my hand. And I'll strike you and take your head from you. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, David's not going to go home and say, man, look at me. I'm an amazing marksman. Hey, I'm the baddest shepherd in town. No, David came back to town saying, I told you, God is great and God is on our side. We can kill the giants if we'll just trust our God. David got it. He never took credit for God's victory. He always understood, yeah, I I had the sling and the stones, but God brought about the victory. You know what I think today? You know, I've been in a series about what's going on. And I was planning on continuing that series, but Thursday morning, God spoke so clearly to my heart, talk about David and giants, or giants and Davids. So that's what I've done today. You know what I think? I think there are people in this house, people watching online. And you're wondering, what do I do with this giant? This thing's, I'm sick of it. It's time to rise up and trust God. It's time to get in relationship with God and let him give you instructions on how you take steps of faith. You see, David didn't just sit back and watch. He took the steps of faith. He spoke the words. He said, this is what God will do. This is what we're able to do. And then he walked the walk and went out and got his ammunition, ammunition, and he went off to battle. And he was active until the victory was won. I've thought about this story all my life, since I was a kid. Because I've heard it since I was a kid. And you can ask yourself this question with me. I'm not sure what I would have done had I been in David's shoes. I don't know how excited I would have been to go out fighting a giant. Because I don't know how to use a slingshot. Okay? Maybe I'd use a microphone. I don't know. But, But here's the point. I want you to hear this. I don't know. I don't know how I would have responded to that situation. But I would love to have been David walking back to camp carrying that giant's head in my hand. Saying, look what God has done. That giant won't haunt us anymore. And then he's going to be a rich man. He's going to get to marry the king's daughter. And his dad and all the family is going to be free of taxes. Man, if you can't get excited about that, there's something wrong with you today. I want to pray today. Two prayers. I know I've had a little bit of levity in this, but I want to get really serious for just one minute. I know some of you are fighting giants. And I can't fight your giant for you. You can't fight my giant for me. Well, you you pastors preach those kind of messages because you never had to face giants. I, I face giants continually, just like you do. We all face different giants. We have to fight our own battles. But today I want to encourage you and I'm going to pray that you listen closely to God and you'll draw close to him and let him show you how to pull him into this battle so that he takes ownership of this battle and shows you how to walk it out and how he can bring victory into your life. So bow your heads this morning. Father, we're Davids. We're sitting at your feet. Some of us are facing giants. We need your help. We, we need deliverance. We need a victory. God, we've been waiting on somebody else to do this. We've been waiting on you to do something. But I realize now you need me to do something. So, Father, I ask that you would speak to every person in this room. First, give us understanding of 
how we face giants, how we fight giants. Give us understanding of a physical battle and a spiritual battle. But I pray right now specifically for those who are facing giants that you would show them what to do right now, how to trust you more, what they need to say in faith, and then what they need to do in faith to go out and fight their giant and bring him down and destroy him and kill him once and for all. God, these giants are not invincible. They're loud, they're obnoxious, they're tough, they know how to fight. But you are on our side and you're the God who's never lost a battle. So God, give us wisdom and direction as you did to David and we will respond in faith and see victory in Jesus' name. For one more prayer, heads are still bowed. You might be here today and you might say, man, I don't have a track record to draw from because I don't know God. I've not been walking with God. I don't have any victories I can brag about. And actually, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those uncircumcised Philistines. I'm not even on God's side and he's not on my side because I've never come to a place where I realized I needed him. And I, I don't know how to deal with my past. I don't know how to deal with all the giants I've created with my life. Can I tell you today that God loves you so much. He wants to bring you into relationship with himself. He wants to get involved in your life. He wants to wipe away your past and forgive you and show you a better way to live and a better way to win. If you trust him. If that's you today and your heart's being stirred right now and you're thinking, man, I wish I had God on my side to help me fight. God will get on your side. If you trust him with all your heart. The way this begins is with the prayer where we ask Jesus Christ to become our Savior and the Lord of our lives. And then he'll begin to lead you one day at a time, show you how to defeat every giant in your life. It all begins with words. We call it prayer. It's just talking to God. All over the house, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this with me. Say, God, I need you. And I give you my life. Come be my God. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Forgive me of my past. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Lead me into the future that you have for me. Show me how to kill giants. Show me how to live the life of victory. I commit my life to you. And from now on, You'll be my father, and I'll be your child. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you probably have prayed in your entire life, but it's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. We want to help you on this journey with God, and we've got a little tool to get you started. It's a booklet called The Next Seven Days. Two ways you can get it. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you would, please just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. If you want to talk, if you want prayer, if you just need somebody to talk to about your journey, they're here to help you. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. But I guarantee you, it'll do you good to say, I put my faith in Jesus today. If you're in a big rush on your way out, right in the middle of the glass doors in the lobby, there's a counter and a table set up right there. There's a sign overhead. Stop by there. They'll give you the same 
booklet there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Hey, welcome to the world of giant killers. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Hey, can we thank Pastor Gary for that great message this morning? How good was that? I'm definitely gonna be here for second service. I need to hear that one again. Identified my own giants. So hey, that was an awesome message this morning. Thanks, Pastor. We appreciate it. Hey, just a few more things we wanna do before we go this morning. These are really important things. So pray that you would, or just ask that you would honor everybody here this morning and hang tight till the end of service, until we're finished. This is a moment in our service where we like to stop and honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into service. And, uh, you know, when we bring our tithes into the house of God, this is a time where we say thank you, God, for being so good to me, for meeting my needs, for providing for me. So we're going to do that together this morning, and I want to invite you into this moment. If you're looking for ways that you can give, there are digital ways you can give up on the screen right now. If you'd like to give in person this morning, you can grab one of those envelopes there on the chair backs. Just grab it, fill it out for whatever is most convenient for you, and you can drop it at one of our giving stations. There are giving stations right next to the exit doors before you exit the auditorium here. There's also one outside near the kids' first-time check-in area area, but choose whatever is most convenient for you. We're so glad and so thankful for your generosity. And man, in thinking about that, I, I look back and just automatically was thinking about many, many years ago, kind of killing that giant in my own life and making that decision. God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to bring the first tenth. I'm going to bring my tithe into the house and honor you, put you first. And I'll tell you what, for me financially in my life, man, that was a big decision. It was like a giant that was out there, but I felt like God was calling me to do that. And I know there are so many people in the room that made that decision at some point in their life to put God first in the area of their finances. And man, it's amazing the way that God continues to provide for us. Is there anybody else that would lift a hand and say, hey, God's been good to me. He's my source he's my provider and that's why we honor him so thank you so much for your generosity your faithfulness in giving we are grateful to get to partner with you to see to it that the, the gospel message the ministry goes forward here in this local community in the Temecula Valley and also through our partnerships around the world we are so so grateful to get to partner with you a couple other things I want to share with you very quickly before we go this morning. These are a couple of important announcements. You know, sometimes we walk through difficult seasons where some people that we love here at the Bridge Church, they leave this earth and they step into eternity. And a very, very dear friend of ours, Carol Inman, passed away just a few days ago. And um, as sad as we are that she's not with us now, we celebrate the fact that she's with Jesus and that she is walking in heaven with him, pain-free and walking through no difficulties. Her faith has become sight. So we're so grateful for Carol and for Barry. Barry, we're glad you're here with us this morning. Brother, we love you and we honor you today. But we're going to be celebrating Carol's life this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. And we want to let our church family know about that service because Carol was such a vital person in our church and played so many different roles. So we want you to know about that service this Saturday at 11 a.m. for Carol Inman as we celebrate her life. And a couple other things really quick. Our Connect groups have launched this past week, and we are very excited that they are up and running. Some of them will be starting this upcoming week and then the week after as well. But Bridge Women groups, Bridge Men groups, and all kinds of other groups here at the Bridge are happening all throughout the valley on different days and different times of the week. So we encourage you to check out the Bridge app and find the Connect group that makes the most sense for you and for your family because we invite you and encourage you to be a part of one of our Connect groups. It's going to be awesome to see people make those relationships and grow in their faith within the context of community here in the church. And then finally, very last thing, for all the ladies in the house that are part of Bridge Women Connect groups, if you would like
like to get your resources and materials, they are available today for purchase out in the corner of the foyer. Just go out and see our team at the table. There you can grab the resources that you need for your connect group so that you can walk through this map series that the ladies are walking through together. It's gonna be an awesome term of connect groups and we invite you all to be a part of it. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church this morning? What an awesome day it's been. We love you, Bridge family. Have an amazing Sunday and a great week. We will see you in the house next weekend. God bless you.